The big night is finally here. And the Oscar goes to... Wait, we meant the Drag Race finale. Oh wait, hold on, am I interrupting something? I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch this weekend, Friday, April 23rd through Sunday, April 25th. We're counting down the weekend's top five must-see picks from TV and movies, but first, your entertainment headlines. American Horror Story is headed to Paris. Or, actually, that's the other way around. Paris Jackson is headed to American Horror Story, EW has learned. The model, musician, and actress has joined season 10 of the FX horror anthology called Double Feature in an undisclosed role. Her godfather, Macaulay Culkin, is also in the upcoming season, a role creator Ryan Murphy called a, quote, very, very great, insane part. And if you can't get enough of some of your favorite TikTok stars on TikTok, you'll soon be able to see them on Netflix. The Hype House, consisting of Nikita Dragon, Sienna Mae Gomez, Alex Warren, Jack Wright, Chase Hudson, and more, is currently in production on a reality series for the streamer, which will document, according to Netflix, their humble beginnings to overnight fame, and of course their love lives, and everything else they're working on. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head over to EW.com. Now it's time to marvel at our top five picks for the weekend, starting with number five, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier season finale. There aren't as many mysteries to solve in this show's final hour as there were with WandaVision. In fact, it's very possible that The Falcon and the Winter Soldier could get a second season, but there are still plenty of questions to answer. Will Sam and Bucky be able to stop the Flag Smashers? What is in that mysterious briefcase from Wakanda? What's Walker planning to do with that new shield? And how will Julia Louis-Dreyfus factor into all of this? Will the finale even answer all of those questions? If you haven't already done so, which is a big if, you can find out right now. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. Leveling up for our number four pick, Mortal Kombat has finally arrived in theaters and on HBO Max, bringing a new cinematic take on the classic video game franchise to the screen, this time with plenty of blood, gore, and fatalities. The movie follows an original character, Cole Young, an MMA fighter who's pushed into his hero's journey when the warrior Sub-Zero starts hunting him down. He'll meet classic characters like Sonya Blade, Jax, and Liu Kang on his journey as they all train for a high-stakes tournament to defeat the invading enemies from Outworld. Mortal Kombat fans may have not-so-fond memories of the previous big-screen adaptations, but we'll say this again, there's plenty of blood, gore, and fatalities this time around. Here's Mikad Brooks, who plays Jax, on what else director Simon McCoy brought to the table. I really believe Simon McCoy raised Mortal Kombat to, to the cinematic level that, these, that, that the fans uh, feel like the characters deserve, right? And feel like the world deserves. Like, this, this feels more like Star Wars or a, um, a Hunger Games or a Lord of the Rings that it does a video game movie to me. Okay. And um, and it's because Simon McCoy raised that cinematic level so high. So in doing that, doing such, the characters have to come off as people you could meet. They have to come off based in reality. They have to come off based in physics. Uh, because the world and the universe is so big and so grand and so and so majestic that 
it's it's nice to sort of see yourself in these people. And you can see Mortal Kombat on HBO Max right now. It's trivia time! The Mortal Kombat games originated as a potential video game adaptation of a movie featuring what 1990s action star? Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, or Keanu Reeves? Stick around for the answer. Now let's head into the Grishaverse for our number three pick, Shadow and Bone. The new Netflix series, and your next fantasy TV obsession, is set in a war-torn world where lowly soldier and orphan Alina Starkov has just unleashed an extraordinary power, which could be the key to setting her country free. Alina must train as part of an elite army of magical soldiers, known as Grisha, to save her land from a looming darkness known as the Shadow Fold. Yes, we realize this is a lot. You can learn more about the world of the show and the best-selling series of novels it's based on over at EW.com. In the meantime, here's a preview. Our enemies are threatened by your mere existence. The whole world will be after you. The prize is one million Kruger. Bring me Alina Starkov. Am I a prisoner? Or of Ravka is until you and I enter the fold and destroy it from within. So no pressure. Like we said, it's a lot, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. You can dive into Shadow and Bone on Netflix now. There is, once again, no new episode of Saturday Night Live this weekend, but we have a treat for SNL fans right here. Cecily Strong recently spoke to EW's Maureen Lee Linker, who asked her, what you watching? Any European miniseries, I think. I love a good <laughs> detective show. And then I, um, I'm the only person I know that watches the court TV specials on A&E. Great characters. <laughs> really makes me laugh. Bringing to mind that true crime sketch you guys did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> this is even worse. Like, true crime shows, I have, there's more people that watch those, that, and I can talk about them. But it's like, nobody watches a highlight reel of moments from court TV. Uh, you should definitely check out that true crime SNL sketch if you haven't. It is a highlight for sure. Stick around. Our top two picks and soundbite of the week are coming up. What to Watch will be right back. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. We're all hoping the latest Fast and Furious movie will actually be able to hit theaters this June. But in the meantime, maybe you can get your fix from the CW's Batwoman. In this week's episode, Ryan had to pretend that she has street racing skills while undercover as a driver for the drug-dealing False Face Society 
which leads to our soundbite of the week. Not impressed? Come on, I just did a 360 and drifted the entire width of the tarmac like Fast and Furious Gotham Drift. That is one crossover we would love to see. You can catch Batwoman on The CW Sundays at 8 o'clock. Number two. Time to rev today's picks back up. Number two is RuPaul's Drag Race, which is entering the home stretch tonight with this season's finale. Top four queens Gottmik, Candy Muse, Rose, and Simone will compete in the final lip sync showdown. And EW's drag race expert Joey Nolfi is here to break down the state of the competition. Hey, Joey, how's it going? Hello, Jared. I mean, after four months of nonstop drag queen content, how else could I possibly be? I feel dead. <laughs> relieved for sure I guess and you know honestly I, I think viewers feel the same way though this feels like it has been a very long season Mm-hmm. and we've only got more coming up All Star 6 is coming up soon um, Drag Race Spain Drag Race Down Under they're filming Canada too so it's like you know what It's it's there's no end in sight it's a worldwide empire, but let's focus for now on this season uh, and this finale. Um, all right, so first, take me into what we know about the actual episode, because uh, finales of the of the regular seasons, not All-Stars, but the regular seasons are usually in a big theater in Los Angeles. There's a live audience. Um, last year, of course, was different because of the pandemic, and that was virtual. But uh, how is this season's episode going to go down? Are they back in the studio? Well, no. I mean, what we do know is it is indeed a finale that will happen we know we know that that's some very scalding tea i said what i said in the vein of tamisha aman thank you very much but no um it is in a theater there is no audience but we should be getting some of those classic vibes like complete with a full rupaul drag look that she previewed last week at the end of the reunion Mm -hmm. so no more mortal Kombat face mask from home last year and it is a lip sync smackdown we know that uh, yep. We will crown Miss Congeniality. There's some more tea for you. Which I think everyone knows who's going to get that. It's got to be Olivia, right? I think it's going to be La La Ree. Oh, ooh, yeah. also not a bad pick. Yeah, because okay. everybody was saying that Miss Olivia is like a secret diva. They were all telling me that. So I'm thinking it's going to be oh. Miss La La Ree, although I love both of them. Okay, well, there's the actual tea. All right. Yes. <laughs> but um, they are being very guarded about this finale. So uh, we've seen less preview material than in past years. So it's yeah. going to be exciting for everybody, I think. Let's talk about this final four uh, who I've already mentioned and their respective journeys and uh, and wins up to this point. How how they got here. So let's start with Gottmik. So Gottmik, I have to be honest. At first, I was not entirely sold on Gottmik. I felt like there were certain things that she was doing that she was being overpraised for, like the initial acting challenge. I, I really wasn't that impressed by, and the judges seemed to be impressed by, but she has definitely grown on me week after week. Mm-hmm. There's no question that her artistry is fantastic, oh, but yeah. I just felt that she was maybe a little bit nervous at first being on Drag Race, but that definitely melted away. I mean, by the time Snatch Game rolled around and that uh, shrunken drag queen acting challenge. I mean, she's mm-hmm. just, she's great. And she has really come into her own. And I am very pleased that she made it all the way to the finale. Um, not just because of her talent, but because of what she represents for trans people in the Absolutely. workroom. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it was just a really great sight to see. Yeah. And she's very funny. She's very like quick and witty and, yes. and makes me laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about one of her uh, BFFs, Candy Muse. Oh, I love Candy Muse so much. Candy is somebody who just came into this show knowing 
every angle of the show. She can quote things from Drag Race 10 years ago. She knows how to approach challenges because she has that knowledge of being a fan and also a great queen. So nobody has really approached the competition, I think, ever like Candy Muse has. Um, That's when people started joking that she was, you know, producer Candy Muse because she knew all the ins and outs and knows how to work the camera and knows how to give these fans in the show exactly what they're looking for. So it was really interesting to watch Candy navigate that as well as bring her talent to the table, which I, I I don't think she gets enough credit for. I think she's done really well on the runway. Some of her runway looks have been absolutely incredible. That um that nude illusion diamonds look where the diamonds were yeah. falling from her hat. That is one of my favorite looks of the season. She's really brought it this year. And I, I I'm really sad to see that she's getting a lot of the sort of quote-unquote villain labels from the fans online because she really hasn't behaved like that at all. She's just a really fun personality, and that's what's that charisma has has gotten her to the finale. Yeah, uh, she's a lot of fun, but no doubt, as we've kind of alluded to, a bit polarizing. Let's talk about Rosé. So Rosé, to me, is... I mean, I love all four of them, but I think Rosé is probably in the last position going into the finale. I think that she is just a little bit too polished and standard. And when I say standard, I don't mean basic. I think that Rosé is, she, Rosé gives you everything that you're expecting. It's maybe as a whole package, not as exciting as, as what some of the other queens are bringing. She's still ridiculously talented. She's a great singer. She has an amazing personality. She's really quick-witted. Um, but I think the judges are feeling some of the other queens a little bit more than they're feeling Rosé. And it was kind of unintentionally hilarious that last episode when RuPaul was speaking to all of the queens after they were talking to their younger selves, Ru just said, well, thank you for participating. (laughs) (laughs) While the other queens got these really great, you know, feedback from Ru. And I don't think Ru meant it as a knock, but that's definitely how the fans took it. It was just kind of funny. But I love Rosé. Rosé is going to have a great career after if she doesn't win regardless. So all the props to Rosé. Very talented indeed. And last, but certainly not least Simone who uh, I think kind of based on what you said they're one one of those queens who the judges kind of seem to be favoring let's talk about Simone's journey yes I mean Simone is just I haven't loved a drag race queen like I love Simone in a really long time I mean she just gets it she gets all of it it's kind of boring because she's been so clearly the front runner since day one I mean her looks are fashion and conceptual and thematic like her her Black Lives Matter look, but they're also so organically hers and her ideas. And she is a brilliant performer. Her acting is so hilarious. The flag factory thing, I mean, Simone just has it. She is a star and she hasn't faltered at all. I think that this is her crown for sure. Oh, well, so then that leads me to, you know, you've been, in addition to Drag Race, it's also been Oscar season, and you've been giving predictions there, so let's do it here. Who will win, who should win? So I think who will win and who should win are the same. I mean, it's hands down Simone for me. I I love this top four. I think this is one of the strongest top fours the show has ever had. I mm-hmm. Candy, Gottmik, and Rosé are all fantastic competitors, and I know that they're going to have great careers after the show, but I think that it's, you know... I think it's all signs are pointing to Simone, just the level of praise she's received all season from the judges and the fans. If you look online, I believe her hashtag that the show asked fans to tweet, Team Simone is the one with the most tweets, I believe. So, you know, I think it's a fan and judge consensus here for Simone. 
Yeah. Well, it, and it seems like with this this top four, like even if they don't win, kind of like you said, it feels like everyone's kind of a winner in their own way that they're all going to get a bump from this in their careers. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, they're already making moves. They try to position themselves before yep. the season with managers and publicists and they're they're all going to be set. You know, Rosé selling merch, Got Mix selling merch, Candy mm-hmm. selling merch. They're all, you know, very smart people in addition to just being stars. So yeah, they're really adapting well already to the fandom of Drag Race and we're going to see great things from them in the future. Yep. Well, I cannot wait to see how this finale goes down. The RuPaul's Drag Race season finale tonight, 8 p.m. on VH1. Thanks as always, Joey. Thanks, Jared. And now roll out the red carpet for our number one pick, the 93rd Academy Awards, a.k.a. the Oscars. It's been a Long, strange road to get here, but Hollywood's biggest night finally arrives on Sunday with a ceremony guaranteed to be one for the books, for better or for worse. Not only is the Academy defying COVID with a ban on appearances via Zoom, but this year brings an incredibly diverse crop of nominees that could lead to some historic moments come Oscar night. Will Riz Ahmed become the first Muslim man to win Best Actor? Could Minari's Yoo Jung Yoon be the first Korean actress to win an Oscar? And will a woman win Best Director for only the second time in Oscar history? The answer to that one is almost certainly yes. Chloe Zhao and Nomadland have seemingly had this race sewn up from the beginning. Here are EW's Clarissa Cruz and David Canfield from our What to Watch Oscar special on why Zhao is poised to dominate on Oscar night. Her film has everything going for it. It's gotten universally positive reviews. It's won all of the precursors, the Globes, the BAFTAs, the DGAs. It's the first female-directed film to win the Globe for Best Picture. Um, But besides all that, it's a technical masterwork. It's gorgeously shot. It's filled with natural performances from the whole cast, including Best Actress contender Frances McDormand. And the theme of the movie, I think, just resonated for so many. Um, I know when I was watching it, it made me think, you know, what's really important? What do we really need in life? What are we all working so hard for? Which I ask anyway. Um, But I, I know I'm not the only one. Who felt that way? I, I would say she has an amazing positioning, too. She's coming off of an indie, the writer that was beloved by everyone who saw it, which was a small but passionate group. And she's about to become a blockbuster director. She has Marvel's Eternals on the way uh, and as well as much more. Um, and, and I think Hollywood is ready to anoint her in a major way. Uh, It's an exciting moment for sure. Also near certain to triumph is Chadwick Boseman in the Best Actor category, but things are less certain in Best Actress, where the precursors have been all over the place. Viola Davis, Carey Mulligan, Frances McDormand, all three have a solid shot at taking home the Oscar. Check out more of our predictions and analysis in our full What to Watch special over at People TV and at EW.com, of course. And don't miss the 93rd Academy Awards live Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on ABC. And finally this weekend, the answer to our trivia question. Mortal Kombat originated as a potential video game adaptation of a movie featuring what 90s action star? Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, or Keanu Reeves? Hmm, sorry Keanu Hive, the answer is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Original Mortal Kombat developer Midway Games was approached to create an adaptation of the 1992 Van Damme film Universal Soldier, which ended up evolving into the game we all know and love. 
that's our show for this weekend. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you on Monday, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm Senior TV Editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. What to Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly Usden.